When you think about your organization culture and your experience of culture when you're at work, what comes up for you? Do you get an overwhelmingly positive feeling when you think about work, your company, your colleagues, your managers? Or do you find yourself experiencing a bit of uncomfortableness or perhaps even anxiety, stress, fear? Where are you on that continuum? If you were asked for three words to describe your experience of culture, what would they be? Supportive? Busy? Disjointed? Fear? Caring? Blame? These are common experiences that are shared with me when I ask that very question to clients and colleagues. Welcome to Season 3 where we focus on organizational culture and explore under the microscope wider cultural barriers to achieving your goals for equality, diversity, inclusion and belonging. Before we dive into the series, it might be useful at this juncture for you to know what we mean by culture. So let's define it. This is the one that I like. Culture is about the way and how decisions are made and actions implemented. It calls to the collective behaviours, attitudes, assumptions and core values which inform our ways of working in the workplace. These ways of working and being tend to distinguish one group from another. A shortened version of this is, this is how we do things around here. So what do we have to look forward to in this series? Well, we talk about it in this episode, so keep listening. What's coming up is a conversation around psychological safety, around conversations around belonging, conversations on growth mindset and alignment. But in this episode, we start with the lay of the land, so to speak. Wider organizational cultural barriers that are structural, systemic, and of course, individual. I would really like for you to share this season with your colleagues, talk about it internally with your peers, amongst your leadership groups, And get in touch, share your experience with us, what works, what doesn't work, what questions, reflections are coming up for you. I really hope for you that you will enjoy this season. We'll see you in the episodes. Welcome to the Privilege Eruption podcast with me, Ishreen Bradley, Chief Inspiration Officer at Belonging Pioneers. And me, Kami Nuttall, founder of Culture Lab Consultancy. Privilege is a conundrum that dilutes the culture of fairness at work. And as a leader, you recognize that your organization has more to do. You want to create success through connection and belonging, and you're unsure about how to make it happen. Now, the Privilege Eruption podcast is where you have the opportunity to evolve breakthrough thinking about the impact of power, privilege and purpose and how that shows up at work. And in these podcasts, you will gain the courage and confidence to realize a culture of inclusion for all. Welcome, everyone, to season three. What do you think, Ishreen? We've got to season three. I'm impressed by us. And this is a special. It's so special. And we've had some great guests up to, up to now. And we've got some amazing guests in this series. So, yeah. Do you know, season I- series. I like season. I like season. Yeah, I think season, se- season three. And this season's all about, are you ready to erupt your privileged culture? We're going to be exploring in this season, Ishreen, if you, you know, 
um, the wider experience of culture. Yeah. And how that is relevant, how it intersects with the important work we do around Eden. Um, So, so really, really important for our, for our listeners to get engaged with this because I think, um, and I know I'm probably jumping straight into it, but I can't help myself. But, it, you know, when we're thinking about the barriers within our wider organization culture that don't get addressed, I can't help thinking that it's that wider. We, when we do EDIV work, yeah. and you've heard me banging on about this, why, you know, why, why do experts not? And we've, been, we've started doing this, right? We, we position our findings, our, our, our you know, observations in the context of understanding is the organization culture the barrier itself to the work itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, most of our work has demonstrated that when an organization has the courage to look at the wider culture first, Mm. then they have more chance of succeeding around the EDIB ambitions, right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's, Putting that into context, and some of the work I've done with some some clients, where you know, they've said, "Can you can you take a look at um, our DNI stuff?" You know, um, I say stuff. You know what I mean by that. Um, and what you know, I remember with one client, I said, "Have you thought about your wider organization culture? Because you've got some stuff going on there that you're not looking at it through a needed lens." Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I call that um, trying to ice over the mud pie. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you've got um, organizational culture that may not be a mud pie everywhere, but, you know, there are some mud pies here and there, and then you try to just put icing over it, you don't actually get a cake. You get yeah. something really horrible under icing, right? And yes. and, and it yeah. makes it so difficult to, um, to, to have any kind of transformational initiative. That's it. That's it. Right. So we have to fundamentally address the wider organization culture piece yeah. Yeah. when we're looking at EDIP. And you might ask, you know, well, what is it about the organization culture itself? And I and I think I think just very briefly, there's two things and probably a lot more than this. But but the first one is structure. Mm. Right. You know, remember when the first season we talked about power and purpose? Yeah. And you talked about leadership. Do you remember? I do. Be, you know, the, yeah. the, there was five or so um, right. things we needed to think about, you know. Yeah. And if you, if, you, if you take that wider spectrum into account, that structure of our organization, we're traditionally always hierarchical. The bigger yeah. we are, the more hierarchical we are. Yeah. And we think that's going to lead to more productivity and i think the uk productivity figures just show how broken that system is right oh absolutely and absolutely and we don't you know when we do restructuring in our organization right when we reorganize our organization um because you know we've got a burning platform what we never um we we don't we might take layers of hierarchy out but what we never think about is the impact of hierarchy from the context of power and authority yeah the culture we want huge privilege element isn't it completely i think so i think so Mm. and the other point i think is 
is you touched on it is the way we are organized to work on a day-to-day basis yeah right so we make huge amount of assumptions about how we are productive and somehow it's about um you know, putting a manager here and putting in a manager there and, mm. you know, you're technically qualified, but you don't come with manager skills. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. and then you don't have leadership development in the organization. I do, I'm, I'm going off in tangents again, but, you know, I really do think there's something about the way we're organized to work that has Absolutely. also potential Absolutely. impact. Absolutely. Right? And, you know, I was talking to a client today about, so organizations have said, oh, we need a flatter structure. We need to de-layer. Right. But what, what they don't, they, so they think that just removing that structure is going to sort everything out. But yeah, what they yeah. haven't thought about is actually what does that mean for the people who are left behind? What's their development path? What's their career path? What's going to motivate them to keep going? Yes. Just yeah, one example. Absolutely. Just one example. I, I'll give you a quote, a small quote, a two word quote, actually, that somebody shared with me a manager a director shared with in a in a in a focus group um and and she she said sunflower leadership have you heard of that you have you're nodding you have yeah yeah it's time i heard the concept of sunflower leadership and this yeah but i know about upward management i I don't know if our listeners do so maybe you could sort of enhance as well the understanding there so i'm not sure what you've heard but sunflower leadership is essentially you you listen you attract you you are the sunflower attracting the sun and growing towards the sun ah. and, and and so you don't have to run around being crazy you just stay where you are and you share your vision and you cause growth nice i'm, I'm not okay. sure if that's the same no sunflower leadership you've heard. not no, I heard an ineffective version of sunflower leadership, and that is in an organization which has lots of layers, all the managers are managing upwards. So you see all the crap looking upwards, oh. but everyone looking down is seeing the all, the, all the good stuff. Oh, that's a yes. great metaphor. And that's the problem, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Really- and, it, and I think, you know, as we get bigger as organizations, we get more c- complex yeah, in, in that yeah. complexity increases. Yeah, I agree. And I think for larger organizations, really, in today's agile world, um, yeah, one of the barriers is that structure, right? Um, mm. Cami, you've been doing a lot of our work in this area, and I think it would be useful for our listeners to hear from you um, the barriers that you've found exist in these in the wider organizational culture that you find is not getting addressed until you go in and shine a light on that. Yeah, I definitely think the first one we've been talking about already, that hierarchy, the impact of power and authority on individuals, on decision-making, on how we take risks in our organization. Mm. You know, we talk a lot about diversity in the organization and about diversity of characteristic as well as diversity of thought but perhaps we don't think about things like you know well what's the impact of power and authority on somebody being authentic in the workplace mm. you know they whole bring your whole self to work yeah so i don't I, I i don't see that being addressed as a question no and also 
um, particularly around people from underrepresented groups, right? Completely. Yeah. Completely. Because the bringing your whole self to work assumes that your whole self fits the majority profile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if yeah. you don't, then there is something wrong. Yeah. It's a problem. It's going to take time from us. You know. Indeed. Yeah. So, so I think we're still looking. So while we might be doing sort of improvements in recruitment practices and this and that, and development. And so what we're still looking for is culture fit. We want, you know, we're, we're unconscious bias built into mm. our culture fit practices. Yeah. You know? And I don't yeah. think we address that straight no. up. No. And I think it's really important to um, talk here about our kind of model of five states that of culture that we mm. look at when we go into organizations, you know, it's kind of like, where are you in your journey to from being a transactional organization to being a transformational organization? It's really important, right, to know whether you're dormant, whether you're trying to fix stuff, whether you're um, whether you're growing, and whether you're um, adaptable, right? So there's kind of five oh, yeah. state five state um, diagnostic that. Um, our sister company Holos has developed that we use. Mm, mm. Um, no, I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah, and and I think it's really really useful because if you're dormant, then your managers are really just in survival mode, right? Yeah, it's probably yeah. probably a lot of organisations going into that stage right mm. now with all the talk. But you know, from a, an EDI perspective. When we used to do, I mean, you know, we've been doing this work for many, many years. And before George Floyd was murdered, it was literally pushing a rock uphill. Yeah. And it was a big rock. Because why? The state that most organizations were in around this subject was dormant, right? Yes. So they were, they were unaware. They had no... Um, most people in the organization were unaware. Some some people sort of thought, oh, we should be doing something about this or this is important and called us in. Yeah. But, but literally, um, we had to be so careful about what we said. Yes. Right? Because yeah. people were dormant yeah. and, and the leaders were just surviving the situation. Mm, mm. Um, and what's interesting was when George Floyd was murdered, bless his soul, is that everybody wanted to go to state five immediately, right? They wanted to yes. be agile and they wanted to be responsive. And, but the organization, and most of the work we had to do was this, was that the organization was not in a state where the culture could enable moving to state five. You have to go through the steps, right? You can do the work. And, you know, when we talk about the work, it's actually having a measured and progressive approach to actually going from dormant to to wherever that takes you you know wherever yeah. you wherever you want to go but go go in a measured way go in a way that actually is step by step yeah. know that there's structure to be followed approaches to be frameworks yeah. to be followed do yeah. the work in those stages yeah so i'm wondering you know where about the privilege eruption i'm wondering how much of this is down to privilege and what elements of privilege we see mm. that um that causes these barriers so, so i think i think there's a lot of taken for granted assumptions we make in our culture in that work mm. you know you've got um 
taken for granted that this is how we organize ourselves to work, right? Mm. So there's an assumption about um, you have a line manager, you have a team, you have a direct report, you do performance management, you set objectives. Mm-hmm. And and while all of that, there's a reason why we do that. We want to achieve our outputs and our outcomes. Mm. I actually think that there's privilege Privilege shows up in those mechanisms and ways of working for, you know, two reasons. And I think that's one, because it's a reflection of our wider society, our wider, and and not just wider, but actually our legacy of society as well. So yeah. I think, you know, there's something around that. Yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, there's also, there's, there's also elements of, um, you know, when we're, when we're paying attention to how people experience their culture at work, you know, you have these staff engagement surveys. Do we even ask questions about how people feel, whether they feel valued or not? Mm. You know, do we check in with staff climate? Do we check mm. in with sentiment? Do we check in with the experience of individuals? Yeah. Which might be tied in with company events taking place, whether they feel valued or not. Mm. But actually, do we even check to sort of say, is it easy for you to do your work? Oh you my know, God, from a culture Cammie. point of view. Yeah, and but Cammy, you know, you you've um, hit on one of my pet topics here. So, so many organisations do these surveys, and listeners, oh. you may you may be in an organisation where you find this as well. Is that you know the surveys get done, and then a small group of people look at it, and then very little happens afterwards, right? Yeah, very little, yeah. and and then and then we go in and do our work, and um, if they've not given us the opportunity to do the cultural readiness and needs analysis type work, then then you know we're we're told well we knew all this, you know. So it's kind of like if you knew all this, what have you done about it? Yeah, yeah. Why have you not made the connection? Why are yeah. you joining the dots here? Yeah, yeah, because and this think, is border culture. Yeah, but this is fundamentally also an assumption about how we approach work. Again, you know, it's we're treating EDIV work through the lens of it's a, it's an it's an activity that we do. I.e., it's like recruitment, it's like performance management, it's a project, it's got, you well, know. Oh, Cammy, I've got to correct you. We're not treating it like that, but a lot of organisations are. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what I mean. That that's what I I I find is that there's a mentality around an assumption around mm. how we go about work. So if we want to erupt this privileged culture, which is is absorbed within everything we do, right? Um, the way we make decisions, the way we allocate tasks, the way we monitor how those tasks are completed. There's loads of things that show up there because you know human beings are complex yeah. individuals yeah. and yeah. we bring that complexity into work yeah there's 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 so much to unpick there and I, and you know i think yeah. i think um i think i think with it, it, it's it's challenging those base assumptions we make about work that i think is really important yeah cammy that's really good do you know as you said we spoke about power privilege and purpose in in series one and we've been talking about privilege eruption and I think we should put our listeners out of their misery and let them know what we actually mean by a privileged culture uh, what do you think shall yeah, we yeah, yeah okay yeah absolutely okay. I, I think I think we we take a look at it we talked a little bit about structure 
and structure can inform behaviors, right? I we've got roles, we've got responsibilities that fit into certain within certain rules, right? But so there's the structural element of it. So I think we need to understand that. Then there's the systemic aspect of it. You know, it's about the invisible rules within which we navigate um, our workplace that we bring in from outside society in our, our communities. Um, the majority probably community, and we bring those rules into those invisible rules into the way we do work, you know. So everything from, you know, the industrial age of how we're organized to work and the impact that has today to the privilege that shows up within the, within that systemic um, mm. um, piece, you know, so cultural mm. norms and expectations, those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I like to call... Um, the systemic element of culture, like the water that we swim in, that we, or, or I guess the air we Perfect. breathe, that we don't even know we're breathing. For That's a fish, it would be the water they swim in that they wouldn't realize it. until you take them out of the water, right? Absolutely. And they flap around and they don't know what to do, you That's know, because it. they've been taken out of the environment. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, to most people from underrepresented groups coming into an organization, the the air that's breathed in those organizations so to speak using that same metaphor or the water that the people are swimming in yes. is so different from the air that they've they're used to breathing or the water they're used to swimming in right oh yeah go from salt water to fresh water yeah can you survive can you adapt I mean, yeah. I think there's a fish i know we're going down the fishery there is a fish that does adapt is it the salmon the I think it's a salmon. I think it's a salmon it's that got, can do. Everyone's got yeah. to be a salmon, don't they? They've got to be a salmon <laughs> to be able to survive. Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a pun there somewhere. But anyway, <laughs> you know. and it's so much. It's so hard, isn't it? It's so traumatic, it and it's so hard. And um, and and so I'm thinking. I wonder if you can give our listeners some examples of what we mean by this. So, um. Sometimes, have you ever experienced going into a new job in a new organization and there's all the proce processes and the procedures and everything's written down and, and you're mm. kind of trying to follow that, but you then stop and you look around you and it's like, but they all know something that I don't know. Oh, it, it's the copy coach correct model, Ishreen, that you're talking about. You know, um, I'll, let me let me um, illustrate that. Right. So this is an anecdotal story, um, but everyone listening to this will be able to relate mm. because we've all gone through it. Right. So but this is an extreme anecdotal story that I've borrowed um, from a good friend. Um, she she said to me, um, yeah, I, I, I knew this person who'd gone to Oxford College. You know, he just he's, he's got his A-levels and he's, he, he was going off to Oxford College. And he and, you know, we had this conversation. Um, so he's from a different part of the UK. I'm not going to mention the region, just, you know, but different part of the UK, um, say a bit northern, a uh, mm. bit, bit north, you know, um, where it's a different region, different culture, different sort of um, accent as well. And um, they had this conversation. He, she said, you're going to change. You're going to go to Oxford. You're going to change. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm still going to retain who I am. And my upbringing and so on, went off to Oxford uh, first year, came back after six months, first semester break, and he changed his clothing, he changed his voice, his tone, tone 
mm. um, his pronunciation, you know, how he pronounced. So literally that copy coach correct model shows up there because you go into a new place that's completely a fish out of water, fish in yeah. you know, what you were describing. You, you've got to copy to fit in. Mm. And mm. you're coached to fit in. Yes. You know, in the workplace, we give people objectives during probation periods, mm. right? And if you're not, and you're guided, you're, you've got a, a metaphorical arm around the shoulder, this is how we do things around here. This is how we do it. Sorry, had to get into sing song there. But anyway, mm. just had Craig Davis jump in. It is Craig Davis, isn't it? I've probably got the, the singer wrong, wrong. But anyway, you know, um, metaphorical arm around the shoulder saying, um, this is how we do things around here. Yeah. And if you, if you, so you've been, you're copying, you're being coached. And if you're not showing up in the way expected, you're going to be corrected. Someone's going to turn around and say to you, that's not how we do it here. Yeah. Um, or you either fit in or you feel yeah. And And for me, that's just so crazy. Because, you know, the business case for diversity is so clear. McKinsey's done so much work on it. But if you're doing copy coach correct, then you're not getting the benefit of that diversity. All you're getting is a brown person who's a different color doing the same as you or a woman who's, a, you know, different gender doing the same as you. So where's the diverse thinking? Where is the diverse thinking? That is the question. And in fact, if we're not even encouraging it from the moment somebody's coming in, I at the recruitment stage, yeah. I imagine the interview. We say in the interview, and I hear this so many times, or we don't, but you know, metaphorical we. Yeah. Um, how 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 you know we might have a question about how would you fit in? You know, how would you? What would you do to fit in with this team? Or you know, we might have something around values. Oh my god! I hope I hope they don't ask that question anymore. Do they still ask that question? I'm sure I've seen the question, the odd question here and there. And the, when I've looked at a recruitment process, you know, about an yeah. interview schedule, wow. about sort of questions that are asked. And then think about it during probation when you're completing the probation form. And I know I've been guilty of this back in the day, right? Um, I hold up my hand. I've I've done this. You've you've written on the probation form, good team fit. Mm. We're fits in with the team. Wow. What does that mean? Wow. Does that mean that they're following the invisible rules we've created? And they're, they're conforming to the, you know, mm. what we're expecting. Or actually, does that mean we celebrate diverse thinking in this team and they fit in with that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so systemic privilege is essentially um, people who already know those invisible rules having a higher chance of success. Yeah, I think but, so. Yeah. Um, and, and then that, that talks to your individual privilege, right? Because I know... you you know, a lot of the work we're doing at Belonging Pioneers is exploring systemic, but also individual privilege. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's um, um, I know you've got a view on that. So it's accessibility, it's access to your networks, your, how you're socialized internally within the yeah. organization. Yeah. yeah, essentially, I think individual privilege is the access you have to resources and networks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. for example, if you went to a Harrow or Eton, you already have that group of networks. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so, and you also behave, so systemically you also behave in that way, but individually you, you almost don't have to think. Yeah. 
You That's know, true. You, you automatically fr- flow from one success to another to another, mm. you know. Go from Eton to Oxford and from Oxford to a, a high-paying job. Parliament. No, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to stay away from politics, but you get what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> I you do, know, I do. Um, yes. You know, how many of our prime ministers have been to Eton, right? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So, exactly. so that's individual privilege, and then um, structural privilege. Kami, I know is something that you're particularly interested in. So, yeah, and I, I think it just builds on what I've already said, Shreen. You know, it it is about how we're organised to to work. It's about um, how we go about, you know, implementing our policies. How mm. we go about what what do we even say in those policies? You know, mm-hmm. how do we how do we codify those rules? within mm. our practices that are supported mm. by the structures we put in place at, yeah. at work. And I think privilege shows up in all of those things. Yeah. So if we were looking at privilege in a, in a power sense, because privilege and power are very closely related, right? Mm-hmm. Power yes. and privilege. Yeah. So structural is about positional power, would you say? I think so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely mm-hmm. positional power. Um, it's how we how we use our influence versus mm. authority. Mm-hmm. And, you know? Yeah. And systemic is about tacit knowledge, I would say, yeah. the power of having tacit knowledge. Um, and individual is about the resources um, and the networks and power based in, yes. in connection in a way. Yeah. So, I, I would say that, 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 sh- that is your privileged culture, isn't it? That is. Yeah. That's a privileged culture. So, you know, most organizations aren't yet talking about privilege. We, we find it's at the root cause. Um, but most organizations are only, you know, just starting to think about it. But they're talking about inclusion. So mm. I'm wondering to what extent we can help um, our listeners to distinguish between a focus on privilege and a focus on inclusion yeah. and you know, is there a difference or how do they work together? No, that's really interesting, isn't isn't it? I mean, I think I think privilege on the one hand relates directly is about inclusive culture, right? If we don't have if we don't and I know this is your your word which I'm gonna borrow, if we don't steward our privilege effectively, how can we have an inclusive culture? Yeah. So there's got to be a direct link to the two the two yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, actually, at this point, Cami, I, I wonder if it's useful for our listeners to know what's coming up in the future episodes and oh gosh, yes. how, how we uh, um, in this season are really going to support them in exploring culture and yeah. how to erupt privileged culture. And, and, and that's, that's it, isn't it? It's how we're erupting privileged culture through the barriers that are still in place. Yeah. So, you know, really excited that we've got a conversation with somebody who's exploring how to measure belonging uh, early in their research at this point, you know, but really interesting conversation where we're talking about the intersection of belonging and talking about it with privilege and so on. So so that will be an interesting um, conversation uh, where, we're, where we're really actively talking about the gaps, really. And that one perspective is around the gaps are we address through belonging. Um, in yeah. Belonging. Yeah. Yeah. So we've. That's what we found, isn't it, Cami? Is that um, the gaps to erupting privi- uh, this culture of privilege are 
um, belonging, privilege itself, um, psychological safety. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's coming up this 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 season. Yeah, yeah, and inclusion, oh, yeah. right? And inclusion. And, and inclusion. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're talking. We're going to be talking about um, how people feel. You know. That it comes up under inclusion work generally. We know that people need to feel valued and recognised. Yeah, but that's also coming up in our privilege work as well. And if if listeners remember the last the last episode of last season, we talked about the findings that are coming yeah. up, yeah, uh, that are showing up in our in our research. And one yeah. of those is that people are feeling undervalued. They're not yeah. feeling recognised yeah. because of the abuse of privilege. Yeah. So this op this episode is really looking at: Are you ready? And yes. then we're going to look at what are the gaps, and those are the four gaps that we've identified. And then we're going to look specifically at psychological safety, aren't we? We're going to talk about psychological safety. We're going to talk about growth mindset. Yeah. And we're also, we're also talking about alignment between vision, purpose, and values. So yeah. amazing. So I'm really excited. So listeners, you know, li tune into the other episodes because you'll be getting some of the answers about how to erupt the privilege culture, right? Taking into account the wider culture of the organization. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, Kami, what are the first steps in that case? You know, so our listeners get the importance of erupting the privilege culture mm. and, mm. and um, creating a more inclusive, equitable workplace. What are the first steps? in terms of moving forward yeah you know um i i i honestly think um cultural uh, cultural readiness and a needs assessment is 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 exercise is needed mm. and I that's think, yeah like, yeah you know? and, and you've done a lot of work in that area right so i mean what it, what it involves basically is understanding the employee and manager leadership experience of culture at work yeah, you know, and and the environment. Yeah, the, yeah, the how we interact with our environment, how yeah. systems and processes interact with our, you know, how yeah. they cause our behaviors. Yeah, yeah, you know. Th so there's a there's it's a bit of a let's let's pull the bonnet off the car up, you know, and look under yeah. the under the yeah. bonnet type thing. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, and then we look at it. The needs analysis piece is really looking at, so you've got to change ambition around equity, diversity, mm -hmm. inclusion, and belonging. So we need to look at that in the context mm. of your internal culture and your internal readiness and where those intersect. And then what's going on in the environment around you, right? That's it. That's yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Ba based on that, we're able to map you onto this five stages of evolution almost around your readiness to take on a challenging program and and it yeah. might be that you're not ready right it might That's be it. it might be that you uh, can't take the full transformational program on right now but there are always other elements that you can work on aren't there there's always yes. you know yeah. you might be looking at a diverse leader development program or some basic training um so so the first steps would be really to understand the capacity as you said isn't it that's it. That's yeah. it. And I think, I think, are we, there is a question, isn't it? That, that's what this is all about is, are we ready? Yeah. So listeners, are you ready? Are and, we ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to follow the three C's? Kami, I love these three C's, right? So the, what you would need, we say what you need, if you are serious about erupting privilege, you need a lot of courage, 
because there are a lot of challenging conversations to have. You need to have commitment to keep it going when things don't work. And you need chutzpah. You absolutely need chutzpah because you have to be able to um, be persistent and you have to be able to, um, oh, I love that word chutzpah. And it, it's, yeah, it, that's it's a good word. Like, you know, there's like an attitude, isn't there, behind it as well? So, it's, it's, persistency, it's ten- tenacity. It's you know, yeah, commitment yeah. has to be has to be supported yeah, by that for sure. Exactly, exactly. So you know, it's challenging. It's not easy. But look, what's at the upside? You know, on the upside is that your EDI program will be successful, your ESG program will be successful, and actually any transformation program that you choose to take on will be yes. successful, right? You'll have, um, you'll have uh, such an attractive employee proposition, and all the clients we're working with right now are struggling with recruitment retention, right? The cost yes. of recruitment rete- retention um is through the roof right now. So um, what you want is through this process to have an employee proposition that's absolutely going to stand out. And we all, you know, we all know that through diversity comes creativity and innovation. To do that, you've got to get the culture right. And, And if you listen to episode three of this season, you will hear us talking about psychological safety and how to start to get that environment right so that you do unleash creativity and innovation, Mm. you know. You're going to be long-term sustainable. And at least working with us, we map that to your KPIs. So it's like what's the match between what your measures of success are, your KPIs are, and the work that we do around culture and the work that we do around... um, equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, because otherwise, you know, what's the point, right? That's it. If, you know, That's it. Yeah. And then, of course, you get to reduce waste through, um, you know, ineffective recruitment and retention practices, and you get to reduce your costs. So we think the upsides are worth some courage, commitment, and chutzpah, right, Cami? That's it. That is it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So are you ready? Let us Are know. Are you ready? Let, Let us, us know. know. Drop us a line. We'll be happy to have a call with you to talk about this in more detail. And um, the future episodes will surely give you some insights as well. Amazing. Amazing. It's just, mm-hmm. just, just fun, Ishreen. What are you reading? What are you reading today? What I'm reading at the moment actually is not a book, but it's an article by uh, Ernst Young. They've done some research. And it's about the changing face of UK fintech, focusing on gender diversity and equality. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So I'm, I'm like really, I've just printed it out. Look. Oh, you can't see it. Can't I've just see. printed it out. <laughs> I know you're holding something up. <laughs> yeah, I've just printed it out. And I'm going to really enjoy reading that because I think it's really time that financial services, fintech, um, started to deal with some of these issues. Okay. Brilliant. How about you? So I'm reading something um, a bit different to yours. Mm. <laughs> Burning My Roti. Oh, wow. Tell me. Which what's is that by all about? a lady called Sharon Dalewal. Wow. And it's about breaking barriers as a queer Indian woman. Oh, my God. Isn't it? 
Wow. We'll have to try and get her on our podcast. I think that would be great. That would be amazing. Oh, oh and I'm having my favorite indulgence tomorrow. Are you? I'm going to a hammam with one of my best friends. Oh, well, I'm having an indulgence day tomorrow. Go, go, go. Afternoon. Yeah. I'm having a pedicure. Oh, Much lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. So, <laughs> listeners, also, please tell us what your favorite indulgence is. I think we should. Yes, um, let us I know. Think, I think we should have a little competition for the best indulgence, the one that we think is most different and exciting. What do you think? And 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 what's the what's the prize? We'll have to come up with a prize for that. Yes, oh, we, well, you know, we'll we'll, we'll happily give um, thirty minutes. Yes. On a call with one of us to delve into some of these topics in more detail. To make and, it and just tell us, just tell us what your favorite indulgence is. Absolutely. Yeah. That, Drop us a be, line. That would be wonderful. Drop All right. Line. All right. Thank you, everybody, See for you listening next, to see us. See you next week. See you okay. next week. Bye-bye. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us. Our intention is to bring you new insights about the impact of power, privilege and purpose at work for you and for your organization. You can check out our episode description for social media accounts and don't forget to send in your questions and you can send those to our email equitychampions at belongingpioneers.com. We look forward to sharing more about power, privilege and purpose at work with you on this podcast. Now, if you got value, please remember to share it with your networks. Please leave us a review. And as Cami said, please do remember to send us any questions that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Next time. Bye.